Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. I'm happy to be here with you today. Well, it's the midpoint of the season in the NFL, uh, but in fantasy football, this is the beginning of the stretch run. Remember, in my view, your goal in every single league you're in should be to simply make the playoffs by whatever means necessary. If you're sitting pretty at 7-1, and 6-2, and 8-0, you might be able to afford holding on to a potential like future asset for later in the season, like maybe a rookie who hasn't done anything yet but might in a few weeks. But if you are 3-5 and five and clawing to find a way in, uh, working your way up the standings to maybe uh, clinch a playoff berth, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes, move on from any players to get players who can help you win now. Now things are a little bit different in Dynasty since you can theoretically be okay with losing now to whatever degree that's possible to maybe win next season. But for the most part, even for my dynasty teams that are in like a brief rebuilding mode, I don't rebuild for longer than a year or the team is just kind of is unable to be salvaged, sort of. Uh, even if you're in one of those brief rebuilding modes, I want to make the playoffs in those leagues. So regardless, for me, now is the time to push, push hard for trades that might help you. Uh, even when you have to give up very valuable players and even sometimes when you have to lose a trade, especially in... In redraft leagues, I will lose trades if it helps me win that week if I am desperate, whatever it takes to help me get into the playoffs. Uh, you have to be willing to use whatever fab you need to to get players who can help you win now. Uh, you still have to be smart while being aggressive. If you're in leagues where the only way you can acquire players is through bidding, that, that's the case in the FFPC higher stakes leagues, you got to save a few bucks for last minute issues, your kicker you know, gets injured or something like that. But now is the all-in moment. I hope the players that we cover and the data we sift through in this pod will help you uh, with a few ideas for how to do that. For sure, that's why I do this. So if you have any player, uh, any questions about players um, or clarifications from what I talk about on this pod, please feel free to reach out. Uh, before we jump in, please don't forget to help me out while I'm trying to help you out. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple. That is very helpful. Please spread the word about the podcast. Uh, we need to get our listener count up um, just to keep keep this going, sustaining uh, over the, the course of the rest of the year and also into next year, hoping to, hoping to uh, grow this into something bigger, have some guests on and make it a uh, the best podcast possible. So please do spread the word and rate and review it. And then if you can support the podcast with a few bucks a month, that would be very helpful as well. Uh, that's over at Anchor. I would truly appreciate all of that. For those of you who have reached out to tell me that this pod is helping you, I also truly appreciate that. Let's grind some data. We'll first look at some running back data points. Both Mike Davis and Corderell Patterson played over 60% of snaps. And both got work in the rushing and receiving game this week. Both players got nine carries and had five receptions. Uh, Davis went for 66 yards and Patterson went for 72. So very similar lines this week. Patterson scored. He had the nicer day. It's, it, it's worth noting that Davis did get involved more in the passing game this week with Calvin Ridley out. If Davis was dropped in your league, which is possible in some leagues because it looked like he was being completely phased out last week, um, I think he makes a nice addition if you need a back because, it, you know, with Calvin Ridley out for we don't know how long, 
they're, they're going to have to use all their options uh, on this offense. And Davis is, is a player that they want to continue using. So uh, I think Patterson is the superior play for the, for the foreseeable future because he's getting about the same amount of carries and he's more involved in the passing game and he's getting more uh, like goal line opportunities both in the rushing and passing game, but both are involved. Uh, only two backs saw the field for the 49ers. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, for, uh, 64% of snaps, and Jamichael Hasty, 34% of snaps. Mitchell got 18 carries, went for 137 and a score. Hasty got three carries and two targets. So pretty much, uh, even though Hasty's getting a third of the snaps, it's pretty much Mitchell's backfield. And for as long as he's getting almost all the carries, he will remain a very good weekly option at running back. I, I really feel like for the rest of this season, the other backs on the 49ers roster are irrelevant for fantasy. I mean, a lot of people are hyping up Jeff Wilson, who should be coming back from the IR soon. I I mean, there is a chance because you never know with Kyle Shanahan. There's a chance he takes over. Um, there's a chance he takes over as a starter. I mean, we, who knows with Shanahan, but from what I'm seeing, they love Mitchell and they trust Mitchell. They're not giving Trey Sermon a single snap. I think Wilson will get snaps, but I think it's likely he takes over this role. Jermichael Hasty's playing and that Mitchell remains the, the, you know, main starter, the main player to, to have. So if you spend a bunch of money on Elijah Mitchell on the wire earlier, this, uh, you know, after week one, it looks like that was a really smart move. Um, I did, I did bid, you know, like 50% on him in several leagues and, and got him in a few, but a lot of them, a lot of the time he went for more like 75%, which I wasn't willing to do. Maybe I'll wish that I had by the time this season concludes, but it's just, uh, those are hard calls at the beginning of the season. Uh, Khalil Herbert continues to look like a very good running back and a good starter. He didn't do as much with his carries, only went for 72 yards on 23 carries, but still looks effective, and he was playing against a, a nice defense this week. Uh, I think the um, I think the Bears' uh, offense, it's interesting to see how things go. For now, you know, Justin Fields remains the starter, and he's, he's looking a little better week by week. I don't know what's going to happen when David Montgomery is fully healthy because they clearly like Herbert a lot. He's relegated uh, Damian Williams to just pretty much nothing. Uh, he only saw 6% of snaps. So um, we just have to wait and see. I think if you picked up Herbert or, you know, certainly if Herbert's on your wire, pick him up because there's a chance he remains very involved, even with Montgomery back. If he if Montgomery comes back and takes over 75% of snaps, then, you know, it is what it is. Herbert's still a nice uh, hold for Dynasty for sure. Um, but just one of those situations to monitor. As I suspected, even with Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb continued, I'm sorry, with, with Kareem Hunt out, um, Nick Chubb continued to play his w regular weekly allotment of snaps. Um, he played on 56%, which is about his average. Dearness Johnson worked in for 31% and Felton for 15%. Hunt received the most uh, carries with 16, but it was Johnson who ran in the touchdown. Um, you know, it's not something I'm super concerned about because, again, this is Hunt's or uh, uh, Chubb's normal snap share, and they were facing a stout Pittsburgh front. Uh, either way, it's just something to note that the Browns coaches just do not want to depend on one back. Some people were saying preseason that, you know, if if Chubb went down, you know, Hunt becomes the league winner. And if Hunt goes down, Chubb becomes the running back one overall. I just don't think so. I, I think from here on out, we should remember that just like many of these teams, the Cleveland coaching staff does not want 
a workhorse back. They just don't. And that's why they work in Hunt. Now, Hunt is very talented, but if they didn't have Hunt, they would work in Dearness Johnson, I believe. I mean, Chubb might average more like 70% of snaps instead of 60%, but I think either way, he's not ever going to be a 100% player. The snap share for the Eagles backfield was a bit uh, misleading and very weird and very surprising and concerning all at the same time. And, you know, Sirianni, the, this new head coach of the Eagles, is quickly becoming a reviled head coach in fantasy circles due to his weird decision-making uh, with the offense. It's It's been really ugly. Um, and this week, Boston Scott played on 45%, Kenneth Gainwell on 31%, and Jordan Howard on 25%. The weirdest part was Gainwell that was misleading because he basically did not get in the game until it was a blowout. Uh, the Eagles depended on Scott and Howard like completely in the first half. Both racked up touches, both scored two touchdowns, and then when the game was pretty much completely decided, Gainwell came in to waste the clock. I don't know if Gainwell did something in practice to make the coaches mad or what may have happened. For the first like six weeks of the season, it looked like he was like on the verge of taking over the lead role from Miles Sanders. He kept getting more looks, and then you know that's why we were angry with Sirianni then. Sanders barely got a carry and barely was involved in the passing game. And then right when Sanders goes out, Gainwell gets no work. It's just so incredibly weird and annoying. Um, for now, I'd avoid these backs if possible, partly because we don't know what's going to happen, partly because they're all splitting snaps anyway. If you have to choose one, I think it's Boston Scott. He looks to be the one they trust the most right now. But then next week, it could be Gainwell getting most of the work. So just a really nasty situation. Philip Lindsay was assumed to be the starter by some after Mark Ingram was traded to the Saints, but he played on only eight snaps. The other potential star, uh, starter, David Johnson, played on 11 snaps. And then Rex Burkhead played on 30 snaps. Oh, and fourth string running back, Scotty Phillips, played on 15 snaps. Uh, I don't know. What are we doing here? Like, we have these decent players, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, not world beaters, but decent and they get an opportunity because you trade Mark Ingram, who for some reason was starting over them. I have no idea why. But then you trade him, and then you still don't give these guys snaps. I honestly, I don't know what's happening. It's the strangest, uh, weird world in fantasy football right now. These coaches are making some of the most uh, head-scratching decisions, and we don't get an explanation. You know, they, they're not going to give us that. We are doing our best with the information we have to predict what's going to happen. And then they do the exact opposite of what all the trends show us that they're likely to do. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, if this sort of breakdown, snap share, was to continue, then Rex Burkhead could have value. But I seriously doubt it's going to continue. I think... If you have any Texans back, all I can say is I'm sorry. I think that means you're completely desperate and it's looking bad. It's looking bleak. Um, I would say don't start any of them. Like if that's the situation you're in, it's okay. It happens. Like you have Derrick Henry, you have CEH, you have you know McCaffrey, you have all these backs that have gone out with injury or whatever. Um, you know, if you have one of these, I'd say do something else for the next couple of weeks until this shakes out. And, you know, on top of that, Houston stinks. They're terrible. Um, I will say, and, and I'll mention this again later for another player, um, the, this uh, this Texans offense might improve when Tyrod Taylor is back. 
there is a chance that happens. So just keep that in mind. It's not um, it's not completely dead. I wouldn't drop Philip Lindsay and David Johnson if you just spent a bunch of money on them uh, to pick them up. Uh, but just gotta wait. Use somebody else till we see how it shakes out. Jonathan Taylor's snap share continues to trend up. His snaps over the past five weeks have been 51, 52, 65, 69. 74%. And the same kind of thing happened last season. It's like they started, oh, let's see if Naheem Hines can be like a 50-50 split. And then they realize, oh, wow, Taylor is a lot better here. <laughs> He's even better in the passing game. I mean, so Taylor's taken more and more of the passing down work. He's pushed uh, Hines snaps down more and more and pushed Mac virtually out of the rotation. Pending health, I think Taylor should again be one of the top few backs for the second half just like he was last season. So if you have him, um, I think you're in great shape and, you know, just root for him to stay healthy. We had a breakout in week eight from Michael Carter. I've been touting him, I honestly, since like week one, saying if he's on your wire, pick him up. I hope you listen to me. I hope you have him on your roster because he has been fantastic this last couple weeks. Both weeks, he's been over 70% of snaps. Uh, his usage was off the chart in this game against the Bengals. He got 15 carries, took him for 50, uh, I'm sorry, 77 yards and a score, and he got 14 targets, which is just money in the bank. I don't care what team you're on, you get 14 targets, and, you know, and last week he got 10. Uh, he caught nine of them for 95 yards. Much of the reason he got so many targets was because current QB Mike White really likes to check it down to his backs. And also because the Jets were in comeback mode for much of the game. But still, against a strong defense, Carter flashed his ability. And I don't think he's going to lose snaps going forward. Um, I'm going to be starting him everywhere I have him with confidence. The only thing I will say is watch out for when Zach Wilson comes back. He hurt his knee. And Mike White, like I said, has been really great for these backs, including Ty Johnson. I also want to mention he's also a viable starting option with Mike White under center. He played only 29% of snaps, got just four carries, but he got six targets. Again, White loves to check it down. He went for 86 total yards and a score. So for as long as White is the starter, both players could, could be good starters. I mean, certainly Michael Carter is by far uh, superior the superior start, but... Uh, just keep your eye on when Zach Wilson might comes back and um, be cautious at that point. Uh, Carlos Hyde replaced the injured James Robinson and had nine carries and eight targets, uh, finishing with 72 yards, including six receptions. If Robinson is to miss any time, I think it's an ankle turn, but I, I didn't hear any more information on what happened. Um, if, if Robinson's out, um, Hyde could be a useful option for those, especially who have lost backs to injury. He, he'll probably be one of the... Um, you know, middle middle of the road fab pickups this week. Uh, so he's he's a worth he's a worthwhile pickup. I mean, the Jaguars look terrible, um, but like a, you know, like I just mentioned, six receptions and they're going to be in comeback mode. And um, Hyde is a decent back, so he's worth picking up if you need a, if you need help. Uh, Damian Harris played on forty one snaps for the Patriots. Brandon Bolden on twenty five, and Ramondre Stevenson on twelve. This time we had Stevenson in there, J.J. Taylor inactive. Uh, Harris got 23 touches on his snaps. Bolden had four, and Stevenson had nine. Uh, it was interesting that Bolden only got four carries and no targets in this one. I think it's impossible, and I say this every time I mention the Patriots' backs, it's impossible to know what's going to happen, except that we know Damian Harris is going to get 
the vast majority of the carries. He's the only back I would consider starting uh, unless he gets injured and then one of these other guys can emerge. Um, I would say don't even try to figure out behind him what's going to happen. J.D. McKissick, again, led Washington backs in snaps in Week 8. Played on 46%. Antonio Gibson was down at 33%. And Jarrett Patterson at 23%. Interestingly, Patterson had the most carries, 11, and rushed for 46 yards. Gibson had 8 carries for 23 yards, guys. Wow. McKissick? Uh, he caught all eight of his targets for 83 yards. So with this situation, I don't, uh, the only thing we can assume, even though we're hearing Gibson is healthy, we can only assume he's not and that he is being saved for some future or so that he doesn't get further uh, injured. There's no reason to save him. They're, they're in terrible shape. They need to go all out to try to win. Um, lost again on Sunday. I don't know why they're doing this. Maybe it's because they think he's not good anymore. We don't know. But the only thing you can do with these backs is start McKissick if you need a starter until something changes. Gibson is simply not getting enough work, not getting enough snaps. I mean, 33%. That's that's completely untenable to play him. Um, and if you've been starting him, as I have in a couple leagues where I'm desperate, you've been getting crushed. Uh, and you got to stop it. You got to put him on your bench. A lot of players. I mean, at this point, if James Robinson's out, Carlos Hyde is a better option. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten. So you can find somebody else to play. Uh, in his first week in New Orleans, Mark Ingram, he'd be a better play. He played on 29% of snaps, which isn't as much, but he got eight touches, finished with six carries for 27 yards. I mean, maybe he wouldn't be a better play, right? <laughs> it's, they're very similar. But that's what we're looking at. I mean, Basically, Gibson is playing like a Mark Ingram role right now. He's the the fewer snap running back, just getting a handful of carries. He got eight. Ingram got six. Um, they both had a handful of targets. That's it. Anyway, Ingram, I think, is it's a promising, uh, you know, he has some upside. So, so the interesting thing is you're getting Ingram off the wire, or maybe you just picked him up. And um, I say he's got some promise. The reason is because... The Saints uh, are a very run-heavy team, and now they're likely to be even run-heavier with Taysom Hill likely to s the starter the rest of the way. Jameis Winston's out. Now, Jameis wasn't chucking it around like he normally does this season anyway, but Hill, they will be even more run-heavy, and I think they will try to depend on Ingram to save Kamara for the, the playoffs. So uh, Ingram could have some very nice value down the stretch, even though I don't think he's a special player. Um, you know, you're, it's a good offense, and they know how to run the ball, so... He's a nice pickup if he's available. Let's move on to some wide receiver data points. Uh, A.J. Green played on 95% of snaps on Thursday and led the team with eight targets. So DeAndre Hopkins is struggling with injury. Now, he may be back healthy by next week, but there's a decent chance he's not 100% even if he plays. So Green could, uh, could provide some nice value. He's probably not available anywhere because he's been so involved throughout the season. Uh, but if he's sitting on your wire, he could provide nice value this next uh, this next little stretch here. Uh, Christian Kirk played on 78% and got six targets. So he could also see a nice bump in value if Hopkins misses time. The player who would benefit most, though, is Rondell Moore. Uh, he saw his highest snap share of the season with Hopkins uh, playing very, uh, very little uh, in week eight. He hit 61% of snaps, saw five targets, and got two carries. 
So just watch the injury report carefully for Hopkins. If he's going to miss week nine, I think Moore is an, a very sneaky pickup if you need help, uh, like in your flex or at receiver, because he could have a, a nice blow-up game. Uh, as for Robbie Anderson, he needs to be dropped uh, pretty much everywhere. He played on 74% of snaps and saw only one target. I predict that as soon as rookie Terrace Marshall is healthy again, he's been dealing with a concussion, I think he's going to take over the number two receiver role in this offense. Uh, it's just been really ugly for Anderson. I don't know if it's Sam Darnold's fault or Anderson's fault, but they cannot get on the same page. Um, so if you still roster Anderson, I think you can drop him unless you're in a very deep league. And I think Marshall makes a nice speculative ad here. In his return from injury, Devontae Parker was very involved, playing on 91% of snaps and getting 11 targets. That was good for a 29% target share. Uh, he caught 8 for 85 yards. He immediately looked like the number one option in the passing game. Uh, now, Jalen Waddell was still extremely involved, actually got 12 targets, uh, but Parker looked like his main, uh, like his first read. Um, I think um, if you have Parker on your wire, he's an immediate ad. He's probably the top receiver ad this week. Um, now, he's, he often struggles with injury, but um, I think he's he clicks well with Tua, and um, I think he and he and Waddle make a nice, you know, pair out there. They're both going to be nice options uh, for the second half. Uh, all three Bills receivers played almost the same number of snaps. Emmanuel Sanders played on 56 snaps, Diggs on 55 snaps, Cole Beasley on 52. Uh, but the results did not line up with the snaps. Sanders caught zero of his four targets. Diggs caught five of his seven targets, went for 40 yards and a score. And Beasley caught 10 of his 13 targets for 110 yards. He just has these games. I mean, he'll have like two catches, four catches, 11 catches, one catch, you know, four catches, 12 catches. It's just kind of how Beasley's season goes. It's depending on the defense, what they're doing. And in this one, uh, the Dolphins did a great job in the first half taking away what the Bills wanted to do. So you saw in the second half, they just went to almost all short passes to Moss and Beasley, and it worked. Uh, Diggs and Sanders should remain the, the players with the highest weekly upside here. Uh, but this kind of week will happen sometimes on a team with this many receiving targets. Don't take too much from it. Don't drop Sanders. He'll have nice weeks coming up. Uh, Brandon Ayuk led all 49ers receivers in snaps on Sunday, which was a bit of a surprise. And this could potentially mark a turning point in the season for Ayuk. Um, he received seven targets, which was second on the team. And even though he only caught four for 45 yards, he was at least involved in the game plan and at least on the field a lot. And if he's on your wire, you know, if it's a deep league, he's an interesting speculative ad. I, I kept him in a few leagues because I know he has such high upside if they would just use him. And, you know, he's available on the wire and a few others. I'll pick him up. I suggest picking him up just in case. Now, just remember that George Kittle is due back in week nine and Kyle, Kyle Shanahan loves Debo Samuel, Samuel, as does, you know, obviously Garoppolo. And Samuel's been playing great. I mean, he looks like a new player this season. So n not taking anything away from him. But Ayuk was so good last season and just has been so quiet. So anyway, pick him up if you need help um, and you have the space. But don't expect him to just set the world on fire. On 43 snaps, 73% uh, of the snaps, Odell Beckham was targeted once. He caught it for six yards. Good job. He and Baker Mayfield are simply not on the same page. I would say they may never get on the same page at this point. 
So I don't know. The, the Browns probably need to move on from him. For fantasy, he needs to be benched permanently or cut. The only way I would play him again is if I see multiple weeks in a row of him very involved, like earning six or more targets. Um, I'm not going to see him get six targets one time and then just I'll put him back in my lineup. No, I need to see a commitment to him being involved for for several weeks in a row. And I don't think we're going to see it. I think he's probably done. I think this is his last, uh, maybe his last season as a relevant player, but I think it may be his last season in Cleveland. He just looked terrible with Baker. So we'll see, but I, you can't play him um, unless completely, completely desperate. Devonta Smith went from a promising rookie who could make a big fantasy impact. I was very excited, drafted him in a lot of leagues, and he has gone to a total dud by week eight. He finished this week with three targets, catching one for 15 yards. It is not Devonta Smith's fault, in my opinion. The Eagles threw 16 total passes in this game. Now, I know they got out to a big lead, but even when they weren't you know, way ahead, they weren't passing the ball almost at all. Um, amazingly, his three targets was good enough for uh, were good enough for a 19% target share. <laughs> Smith just has to be benched everywhere until something changes. For those who roster him, you might want to root for Gardner Minshew to get a shot. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know if it's the coaching. I would guess it's the coaching because they've made so many decisions that I think are stupid this season. Um, but it could also be Jalen Hurts just doesn't have the ability. Um, I don't know. But uh, it's sad. Devonta Smith had such promise. And I think long-term, like for Dynasty, still has a lot of upside. Remember, the Eagles have three first-round picks in this next draft. So I am very confident they'll be picking a quarterback if there's one they like. Uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson all basically played on every snap. Um, the lowest was 84% of snaps. Um, Cup and Woods got nine targets, and Jefferson got six. He caught three for 88. So I just want to mention Van Jefferson. It's a very nice addition. They seem to have gone away from Deshaun Jackson, who I think I heard requested a trade, uh, meaning that Van Jefferson is in there. You know, they run 11 personnel a vast majority of the time. That's three wide receivers. And Van Jefferson's the guy now. So uh, he could be on a very good team. He could be an excellent uh, player to stick in your flex in, in you know, weeks where you need help down the stretch. Uh, rookie Nico Collins is a name to keep in mind if you're desperate at receiver. He played on 64% of snaps for the Texans, caught all four of his targets for 55 yards. This is kind of like what he's been doing on his best weeks, like four for 50, something like that. Uh, but with Tyrod Taylor possibly returning to the starting role soon, I think his uh, his value could bump up. He could be putting up instead like eight for 90. So I think he's a very nice and sneaky ad that you could probably get for very cheap right now and just hope that uh, Tyrod can kind of turn this turn this team at least toward uh, respectable over the, the second half. A.J. Brown finally had a target share fit for a player of his caliber, 33%. He caught 10 of 11 targets for 155 and a score. Uh, the targets might come down once Julio Jones is healthy, but I think it's clear he's their, their number one option. I also think um, this team might become more pass-happy with Derrick Henry going down. So Brown could be in line for a great second half. A guy I also mention all the time, Elijah Moore. He flashed a little bit for the Jets on Sunday again. He caught all six of his targets, and now that's, that's a big deal. If you look at Elijah Moore's stat line for the first seven weeks, um, he was regularly catching one out of six or, you know, two out of five or one out of four. That's the kind of thing he could not 
uh, catch a high percentage of his targets. So he caught all of his targets, all six for 67. I don't know if that means, you know, Mike Weiss just that much better than Zach Wilson, or if it means more is sort of figuring things out. Uh, he still played as the fourth receiver and only played on 36% of snaps. So he played behind Mims, Cole, and Crowder. That's not good. But he looked good, and he outproduced both Mims and Cole. So I would not be surprised if we see him begin to get more opportunities again over the second half, meaning that he would be a nice addition to your team for this uh, second half if you need receiver help. Uh, Mike Williams played almost every snap on Sunday, but was the player that was chosen by Bill Belichick to be completely shut down. Uh, He caught only two of five targets for 19 yards. You know, if I had just known ahead of time that Belichick had chosen Mike Williams to shut down. And, you know, I probably should have figured it out. He's not scared of Keenan Allen and his, you know, eight-yard receptions. So, you know, anytime you have a, a player going against the Patriots, you have to be cautious. And I should have been more cautious with Williams. Don't worry about it. He'll be back. Just uh, struggled against that defensive pressure. It appears that LaVisca Chenault is not even the second receiver on the Jaguars at this point, even with DJ Chark lost for the season. Instead, Jamal Agnew was targeted 12 times and caught 6 for 38 in a score, while Chenault only got 4 targets and went 2 for 13. He can be dropped um, if you're in super deep leagues, put on the very end of your bench. And as for Agnew, I would not pick him up. I cannot envision a scenario where he would be your best option to start. If, you know, maybe you're in a super deep league and you want to pick him up, that's fine, but I'm not going to. DeAndre Carter led Washington receivers with three catches for 51 yards and a score. Now that should tell you all that you need to know about how the day went for Terry McLaurin. Uh, McLaurin did get one more target, got seven, but only went three for 23. Another group of receivers I would bench if possible. I know McLaurin was drafted early, and it doesn't matter. Taylor Heineke is playing that poorly. I will start him if I absolutely need to. Otherwise, I'm avoiding until I see improvement. And you just got to hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick can get healthy ASAP. I'm not even sure they're going to bring him back, even if he is healthy, because this team's going nowhere. So it's sad. It's a very sad season for the Washington football team. And, you know, on top of the fact they don't even have a name, it's sad. Tyler Johnson stepped in for Antonio Brown on Sunday and played well. I thought he would. He played on 64% of snaps, caught five of six targets for 65 yards. If Brown's injury turns out to be serious and long-term, Johnson could be one of the best waiver wire ads for the second half of the season. Keep him in, in the top of your mind as you're making bids this week. Um, be, don't, don't spend tons of money because Antonio Brown could be back soon. We don't know at this point. This is uh, Tuesday. If he is back, you know, if we hear news this week before waivers run that Brown is fine, he's going to be back soon, then just disregard this. Johnson is worthless if Brown is on the field. But if Brown is out, Johnson becomes very valuable. And last among wide receiver data points is Andy Reid. Uh, yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan, and I am completely fed up with Andy Reid and the baffling decisions he is making when it comes to personnel, with his receivers especially, but really across the board. Byron Pringle played on 53% of snaps, Mecole Hardman on 49%, Demarcus Robinson on 41%, Josh Gordon on 40%. What are we doing? I mean, Hardman was second after Tyreek Hill had 18 targets. Hardman had seven targets. So pretty much just stop Tyreek and you stop everything because these other guys stink. But among Hardman's seven targets, most were manufactured targets near or behind the line of scrimmage. None of these other players had more than two targets. 
I don't. Why do you play them if they're not getting targets? I mean, Byron Byron Pringle stinks. He's terrible, but he continues to get. He had the second most snaps among receivers. I think Reed needs to figure out who his number two receiver is. I mean, I don't care if it is Pringle. Fine. Leave him out there for 80% of snaps. If it's Hardman, leave him out there. If it's Josh Gordon, if it's Robinson, whoever it is, let these guys get into uh, a groove. It's very frustrating, as you can hear in my voice. But for fantasy, if you have any of these players, um, Hardman is the only one because he can break a long you know, run that is worth even consideration. Uh, but I am not starting any of them because of this split. It's not worth it, except for Tyreek. Um, everything, everything else is irrelevant. Uh, let's go to tight end uh, for now and cover some data points before we wrap up. Kyle Pitts played on 83% of snaps and tied for the team lead, uh, team lead in targets with six. Uh, so that's a 22% target share. Now, he only caught two for 13 yards because the defense schemed to take him away and because the Falcons didn't have Calvin Ridley, who's out indefinitely. Um, this may be a recurring problem with teams just taking pits away since Ridley's out. So keep an eye on whether um, he also struggles against weaker defenses. If he can at least have nice weeks against bad defenses, then you can start him there. If he, if he continues to struggle weekly, you just have to find a better option, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully he can, you know, figure it out. And, you know, the good news is he's out there for tons of snaps and he's getting plenty of targets, and that's good news. Mike Kosicki uh, suffered a little bit this week with the return of Devonta Parker. Um, he um, he had his highest snap share of the season, though. Played on 97%. Uh, it's just that his targets fell all the way to four. He caught three of them for 48 yards, so he still, he, he you know, produced a little bit. He also caught a two-point conversion, but he definitely lost some of his targets to Parker. Uh, it's not surprising because they both work the same areas of the field, those intermediate areas. Parker's not a burner. He's always been that, like, middle range, 15 to 20 yards downfield, and that's really Gasicki's area. Uh, so if you roster uh, Gasicki, you just have to keep playing him because he's been so effective and he's out there for all the snaps. And you just have to root for 2-0 to look his way more often in the coming weeks. Uh, I'll mention Cole Komet again. Uh, played on 90% of snaps, which is about his average lately. He was second on the team in targets with six. He only caught three for 24 yards. He, he will continue to go under the radar on almost all uh, leagues, especially, you know, uh, shallower leagues. But I continue to say he needs to be rostered if you can afford the roster spot. As soon as this team gets going, if they ever do, he's going to be a huge beneficiary. Uh, Pat Fryermuth continued his ascension uh, into a, being a very fantasy relevant player on Sunday. Played on a season high 78% of snaps. Now a lot of that was because Eric Ebron was out, uh, but he was very involved again. Got seven targets, which was a 21% target share and second on the team. Uh, he caught four for 44 yards and a score. He also needs to be rostered everywhere except in very shallow leagues. Uh, could be a nice weekly option for the second half. Dan Arnold had 10 targets on Sunday, caught 8 for 68, played on 72% of snaps. Any tight end playing over 70% of snaps and getting a good number of targets is worth uh, having on your roster. It's also uh, worth considering for a starting spot. Uh, he Arnold, again, he used to play wide receiver. I think he's an excellent weekly play because he has a, a quarterback who likes him, likes throwing to the tight end, and they're going to be trailing all the time. I did not anticipate that the return of Albert O, however you say his last name, Okwugbanam, looks like, would mean terrible things for Noah Fant, but it did. Uh, Fant still played on 77% of snaps, but Albert O um, was at 49% and had more receptions than Fant. 
And Jerry Judy returned too. That likely ate into some of Fant's targets. Um, you know, because this offense is struggling, we thought this offense might be kind of high-flying, but because they're looking bad, um, I think Fant's upside is looking extremely limited for the second half. If you have him, I would see if you can add one of these other guys I've mentioned just in case you know one of them pops and he continues to fade. Dalton Schultz had a down week with Cooper Rush under center, only caught two of seven targets for 11 yards, but played on 82% of snaps, so I don't think this is anything to worry about. As soon as Dak comes back, he will be he'll return to um, a, be, a better stat line. And finally, despite playing on 91% of snaps, Travis Kelsey struggled again on Monday night. Mahomes missed him several times when he was open, which is strange and concerning. It used to be that they were like always on the same page and he looked to Kelsey first, but it's just, just missed him a bunch of times and Kelsey played poorly, lost a fumble, only caught four of seven for 27 yards. So I do think, I mean, if I'm being positive, I do think Kelsey will get going at some point. But so much depends on whether he and Mahomes can again get on the same page. Uh, that will do it for us today. I hope these data points were helpful. Please reach out over Twitter. If you have any questions or want clarification, I am at Kevin Scott FF, and the show is at Grinding the Data. I appreciate you listening. And let me say it clearly again, don't give up. If you're, you know, two and six, three and five, you know, you still have a chance to come back and make the playoffs. Things could start falling your way. Your luck can turn. You can make some moves that change things in a big way. Keep grinding and fighting, and you never know what can happen. Have a great week.